When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it a Wednesday with Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Plenty to get into. Some reaction to Coach Frost's post-practice press conference today. Some sound from Coach Frost. Uh, his first public comments after uh, dismissing four of his assistants, taking his pay cut. We'll hear from Mike Babcock, historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mr. Husker Football, in about 20 minutes or so. And uh, Mike Shuhart, Shuey, uh, if you're in Lincoln, you know what I'm talking about, but Shuey ain't out on the golf course today uh, with all this freaking rain. Better than snow. No, I know. Let's just push this snow thing off for for a while. There I said it. December 24th. For about five minutes, around 9.15, (laughs) (laughs) then never again. That's my Christmas wish. So, Shuey going to be with us, talk a little golf, but more the Huskers goings-on with him. He's a big, big red fan. And in hour two, the pride of Ord going to be with us. We'll talk some Husker basketball. Andy Markowski with us. Now, the Husker women delivered emphatically yesterday, and Alexis Markowski had a great debut Husker men, my God, I was following that at home. I didn't end up going down to the game. I I checked in from time to time. And I know, Elijah, you and Willie uh, Jay went, you and Will Wilson from Morning Hookup, you both were there. You did your halftime update. And then you did the most somber walk and talk. (laughs) It's like I'm watching Goodfellas or some sort of mob uh, mob show where you're walking and talking and trying to avoid the FBI. Great job, but just the look on your guys' face, like, what the hell just happened? 75, 74, come on down, Western Illinois. I always want to call them Western Kentucky. That still would have hurt, but you would have felt a little bit better losing at home. Western Illinois, if you want them. My God, you don't cover, let alone get the outright win against uh, the Leathernecks. That was painful at times to watch. Multi-possession, multi-offensive rebound uh, moments for Western Illinois. I thought this switching defense really invited some some immaturity, quite honestly, by Nebraska to try and go one-on-one. And Fred's offense is awesome. Fred has the people in his offense to make it awesome. You just got to share the ball. And too many guys tried going one-on-one too many times. We'll hear from Derek Walker. We'll hear from, we'll hear from Fred Hoiberg in a moment. But, and, and I think the guys were just trying to force it. And I love Verge. I love his competitiveness. I love what he can do. I didn't love the final shot mm. where not only did you go up against three trees, but it was a reverse layup attempt. You had guys open to kick out to. 
Yeah, and that, that was honestly just – that wasn't even just the last possession. That was the game of, of – it was McGowan's and it was Verge, both of them, Bryce, not Trey, uh, that were driving down inside, getting the ball to a, a good spot, but then the defense was starting to collapse down on them. And instead of looking outside to the shooters who uh, – Hoiberg has gone through a tremendous amount of work to be able to surround mm-hmm. those guys with shooters. And instead of looking outside to the shooters, they're putting up bad layups, they're putting up off-balance layups, and some of them fell. Yeah, both those guys ended up putting up 25 points because they, they are better uh, better players than who Nebraska had last season. However, uh, both of them shot sub-50% from the floor because they weren't looking to, to pass it out uh, and find the shooters. And it, it was... The, the, the passing was was poor. Too much hero ball last night for the Huskers. Well, this is your question, right? You've got role acceptance mm-hmm. that needs to happen. Uh, the gritty over pretty, and Will Bolts coined the phrase, well, you need it in football for the offense, which we'll hear about in a minute. you got to have it on, 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 on the glass defensively and, and offensively if you're Nebraska basketball moving forward. Are you willing to do the little things? And, and we'll get into this with Andy Markowski a little bit. But is this just a toe-stubbing by Nebraska basketball, or is this – it's just one game. It's just one game. But is this a sign of things to come where you've got Verge trying to be the man, you've got Bryce expected to be the man because he's a five-star, and then you got everybody else that on a given night can have a great matchup and probably lead the way. You know, that's that's my question. I Listen, they're, they're getting chewed still, probably, by Fred and everybody for just their decision-making. And they have Sam Houston State coming in Friday. They, they got to regroup and get better because Creighton's knocking on that door uh, Tuesday as we're down at the single barrel. There's select home games we're going to be on the road for, road shows for Nebraska basketball. Excited about that. We'll be down at the single barrel for Creighton next Tuesday. But disappointing, but maybe a necessary lesson, not to not to go super negative or overreact to one loss. It can happen, and it shouldn't happen to a Summit League team that'll maybe maybe hover around five hundred, maybe below in their own conference. So you're expected, and you tell me, you were there, you were there, you were part of the crowd. You, you probably uh, got cranked up with everybody else before the game. And then at halftime, this thing's too close. And then uh, as things were winding down, Nebraska didn't make enough plays. They didn't make the free throws. They had a good night at the line, except when it counted. When it counted. <laughs> <laughs> when it counted. So your take, though, uh, are, are you going to overreact and go, oh, no, this could be a, a turbulent season versus the expectations and the talent? Or are you more of a, hey, it, it's going to be OK. It's just one game. Uh, to me, all, all the issues that we saw last night were not hard to fix issues. The rebounding has been a problem in the exhibition games. It was a problem again last night. But rebounding at the end of the day is all about effort. Mm-hmm. And, and there was just not enough guys going through the effort of boxing out. There were too many guys trying to get out uh, on the break before the rebound was corralled. Uh, I, I think the rebounding is fixable. You're n- you might not light the world on fire. You might not out-rebound every team you play. But at least you can you can remain close in rebounding Win with a little possessions. bit more effort. Win some possessions, exactly. Uh, and then offensively, it's all about uh, making sure the ball doesn't stick, getting ball movement, and, and the team will be fine. Uh, I do believe that that was a, a tough matchup for this Husker team with uh, a lot of size down uh, low for Western Illinois, and you're trying to switch one through five. Guess what? It's going to get harder and better in your non-con. It's going to get harder and better in the Big Ten, quite honestly. And uh, in all sincerity here, uh, Nebraska needs to – there's going to be games – 
where for whatever reason you're going to go with a four guard lineup and and due to 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 some situations i.e. no no lat you had to go with a four guard lineup let's go to the phones real quick before we hear from coach frost john's with us on hail varsity john go ahead yeah i've been going to nebraska basketball from the time i was three and i guess what's uh, concerning to me is that last year we set a record for the he beat his grandfather out for the third worst season and we had the uh first 20 game losing season and we're really concerned to start out like this if the season can be rectified or be great or good or mediocre. John, I'm going to that it's just one game, bud. They better they better know, fix but, it. But, but I've heard the same thing. Everything's going to be okay. It can fix it. That's why we're at the same thing with, with Scott Frost right now. Because everybody says So what's your result? Okay. Are you going to stop going? No, basketball, no. I gave up my uh, season tickets to basketball five years ago. I still have my season tickets to the football. We've had tickets since 32. You know, but I'm just concerned. You know, I'm really concerned after seeing that. That's it, totally. I okay. mean, it's, it's a bit's a bad. It's an absolute bad loss, and it's worse to get crushed on the boards by 18 or 20. Uh, on the yeah, offensive yeah. side, they got. I hope they can turn it around. I, I mean, I just hope they can. Sure. You know, but it's just concerning after last year how they said things are going to be great, and to have a third worst season, and then have the first season that our basketball team lost twenty games. I got you, John. Thanks for the phone good. call. Appreciate Thank you, buddy. Yeah, this is not a step in the right direction after some underwhelming loss totals. I think you'd agree that that Fred knows basketball. Fred can coach basketball. Fred can recruit. He's got to put it together. And he can't be out there for him. I mean, you could just, and we'll hear from Fred too, you could just, he wanted to like flip some tables and and take a uh, bamboo stick to a a pinata. (laughs) I mean, just absolutely cane the hell out of that that uh, whatever pinata animal you're in favor of full of candy. That's how his tone sounded. Yeah, but it's it's I, I think he's feeling that way because he knows from seeing They're that better game, than that. You're better than that, and you've seen them perform better than that in exhibitions. You've seen them perform better than that in practice. Yet whenever the, the lights were shining, uh, there was actually more fans inside Pinnacle Bank Arena ready to watch this team. They reverted back to let's play hero ball. And, and that's not what... I mean, when you watch NBA basketball, there is some hero ball, but that's not what a, a, an NBA system is built on. James that, Harden's that's not what paid $50 million dollars to, to go one-on-one or find somebody open. And it hasn't worked for him this year with the new, uh, no. the new NBA rules. It hasn't. Uh, let's get to uh, some Scott Frost, Mike Babcock on the way. So Scott Frost, uh, post-practice today, and uh, touched on the timing of the decision to make his staff changes in-season versus after-season. You know, those guys have done unbelievable job helping us to get better and they're all like I said good coaches and even better men been talking with Trev for a long time appreciate those conversations you know it's hard to we've come so close in so many games and it's hard to think we can keep doing exactly the same things and and get over the the top and it's not any person's fault any one of those coaches fault Sometimes there just needs to be a, a little different voice and, and maybe little changes that can make a difference. And the timing was tough uh, in the middle of a season, but everything's going to move really fast here after the season uh, with recruiting and signing day. Um, and it's kind of important to get guys in place to help get those things done. And with a bye week, 
and time to evaluate. I uh, thought that, that was the best time. So that was Scott Frost on why you make a move in season versus after season and totally get it, right? You're you're going to go try and hit the portal. You're going to try and close some deals uh, for this December 15th signing day. You're going to need who's going to be coaching here. Now, that may or may not happen. So uh, let's get into some thoughts here on Scott's role, that CEO setup he's going to have to embrace and and be really good at. Yeah, we've talked a lot about that. This job is bigger than a lot of other jobs. There's just a lot more that has to be done uh, on the field and off. Frankly, I've been wearing myself a little thin trying to run the offense and call the offense, and it isn't just game day. It's it's all week long. And there probably are areas of the program that I could spend more time with if I wasn't so occupied with that. You know, he talked to me about that. I agree. Um, I appreciate his advice on that. And I'm going to do the best I can to put together a team that, that allows some of those things to happen. So more from Frost here on his vision, his plan, and uh, some of those sacrifices, i.e. the paycheck. Trev and I talk every week. Uh, some of it's about that kind of stuff. Some of it's about the premiere of Yellowstone. Enjoy talking to him. You know, the idea has been going back and forth for a couple weeks here. And, and for me, it's an easy decision. You know, I'm in this business primarily because I love the players. I love the mentoring side of this job. I love being around the guys all the time. Um, I took this job because I love Nebraska and I love this university. It would break my heart to think we've made the improvements we've had and, and gotten it so close in so many games and, and not get an opportunity to see it through. So it's, it's an easy decision for me to make any sacrifices I have to, to to have the privilege to continue to be here. So here's going to be the question, and this is, is one of the, the key comments from Frost today about turning over the offense. Is it going to look drastically different? That depends on who the OC is, right? How's the relationship with Frost and the OC? Hands-off, hands-on, collaborative, different. You needed different ideas, right? That's why you made changes on offense. Are you going to embrace the newness of whoever that hire is and more from Scott on turning over the offense, how tough that'll be. And quite honestly, that's a question mark. Is it truly going to happen? If he's just better, if they're better, he can still be pretty involved in it. But it remains to be seen if he can be everywhere he needs to be as a head coach, as a CEO, and still spend as much time on offense. And I, that's got to be incredibly tough. I'm not downplaying that reality at all you've just had uh, case in point with to to had head coaches working as assistant coaches he had chuck coach mcbride doing his thing on defense that was a well-oiled machine you had milton and um dan young killing it on the offensive line you had ron brown a receivers coach you had fearless frank at running backs coach i mean you had you had high level professionals as position coaches that were good enough to be coordinators or head coaches. You're going to have to go get that uh, level on your offensive staff. Uh, here is Scott Frost. It's not going to be easy. i got to find somebody that I trust. And, and it is, I'm always going to have – I'm an offensive guy. I'm always going to have something to do with it. You know, there's things about being coach in Nebraska that I haven't been able to enjoy because all the time that I've been spending – you know, trying to fix problems and dig ourselves out of a hole and, and get the team better. And I have spent a lot of time 
uh, offensively too. Not that I didn't have the right guys. Uh, again, I can't say enough good about them. I need to be able to really trust somebody. I'll still be involved, but uh, that'll take a lot off my plate and I think help me be even better in some other areas. Do we have time for the special teams comment? As, as far as hiring a special teams coach, that's still not a, well, yeah, we're going to go get a special teams coach. Potentially. I'll tell you what, uh, Mike Dawson has done a great job running the special teams. Obviously, he has people in the building that are helping him in the office with that. But our special teams have vastly improved. Our specialists, we need to continue to get better in those roles. But our coverage units, uh, when you watch the tape and, and compare to where we've been, I'm really happy with the progress we've made there. So I, I think that's just uh, when we put the puzzle together, figure out if that's a possibility or not. If it is, I would love to. So we'll see if uh, that is a priority. We'll dive in. A lot to unpack this week with Mike Babcock, football and basketball. Great to be with you on a Wednesday. Tale Varsity were presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And we're back. Fellas, I think we could listen to the radio. On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes, that's awesome. Thanks for hanging out here Varsity City Radio Wednesday, presented by the Nebraska Lottery, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We welcome in historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mr. Husker Football, Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. Mike, will get your take on, on Monday's news, but I want to go a little bit uh, more current, and that's your reaction to Coach Frost's post-practice presser today. What, what, did you, what were your immediate reactions after, after seeing him? Well, I thought that he probably said the right things. Um, and I think that uh, one thing I took away from it was that uh, his acknowledgement that maybe he needed to step away from being too involved in the offense was a, was an important thing because I think that that's probably an accurate, an accurate uh, statement or evaluation, whatever you want to call it. Um, that's probably the big thing that I, that I took away was that he's, it sounds as if he's going to back away from being overly involved in the offense so that he can take care of some other responsibilities, which is what has to be done when you're the head coach. Yeah, that CEO shift, that attention to detail, being meticulous planning, I mean, that's how you live and survive in the Big Ten. Overall reaction to the dismissal in season of four assistants? Uh, you know, I was really disappointed in that. Um and some of that is personal. I, you know, I, I know Ryan Held um, uh, covered Greg Austin when he played here. Um, I, I just, you know, it, it's a tough deal for me. I, I guess I understand it's a tough business. There's no question about that. But it totally caught me off guard, you know, that, uh, that they would dump four assistants and that they would dump four assistants with two games left to play. So, um, yeah, that, that was a tough thing for me to – to deal with, and uh, um, you know, I, I wish all those guys, uh, you know, good luck, and I hope they can find jobs that they're comfortable with. Because I, again, I just I don't like that part of the part of the business. Does it feel like the season's over, or do you think that this team can can muster a, a competitive final two ball games? Yeah, I do. I do because I think the players. Uh, there's a lot of grit there among the players, and and uh, the, you know they've shown that all season long. Uh, I think they'll uh, pull together, 
and uh, I, I think they can respond. I, you know, I, I still think they're going to win a game, uh, and I still think that that game might might be Iowa. But uh, you know, this is a this is an emotional punch for for players too. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure that they're close in most cases with their position coach, and then to find out that this has happened uh, is it, it's a really difficult thing, and that's some. You know, that's part of the responsibility of the head coach, too. You know, how are you going to take care of that? Um, but, uh, no, I, I don't I don't dismiss the season. I think these guys will fight to the end. I really do. I, that's, that's one thing. That's one characteristic you can apply to this group of players uh, and, and be accurate, I think. You know, they might make mistakes at critical times or, you know, you can look back at the frustrating losses and all that. But, but I don't think that in any instance you can – criticize these guys for not giving everything they have. Mike Babcock is with us. Find him on Twitter at MDBabs. And Mike, I think Nebraska fans were expecting moves to be made on the offensive side of the ball regarding Frost coaching staff at the end of the season. In season's a little bit surprising, but I think it's also a little bit surprising that 80% of his offensive staff is now going to be looking for a new job. Did any of those four names surprise you as being a person that Frost decided to part ways with? Well, um, in, in general... Yeah, all, all four of them because what three of them came w- with him from from Central Florida or whatever. But um, probably the one that that stands out most to me is is uh, is Ron Held. And and to put it in context, you know, not only is he a former Husker and he, he's a great guy, and you know he's he's got a good coaching record, but uh, uh, you know Scott Frost has talked about how. Uh, next season, what they wanted to do was bring in some junior college transfers and take a look at the transfer portal because they wanted some experience to fit in, you know, pieces to fit into the system so that uh, um, they could uh, move ahead and, and, and show what they're capable of doing. And I think Ryan held uh, his contacts in junior colleges because he had coached at that level. Um, I, I just think that to say that that's what you need and then you dump the guy that probably is is your, you know, he, he's your recruiting coordinator, and he's your guy that's got the contacts in the junior colleges, and that's what you said you wanted. Um, that in particular surprised me. But, uh, again, uh, same for, you know, all four of them, but it was specifically that. Because that's one thing that uh, really concerns me, and, uh, you know, Greg Smith can address it better than I can, but um, how is this going to impact recruiting? And how is this going to impact guys going into the transfer portal? That's real key, Babbers. You're right on what you have here. You got to keep what you got before you go get new. <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll see how that plays out. Now, uh, I'm interested here with with Scott, and we talked a moment ago about the CEO mentality and and role he's going to have to to embrace. Can can Scott Frost change? I know he'll have to, but is he? Does he have the the ability to to shift and do it quickly? Because it's gotta gotta kind of start towards the end of these two ball games. I know he'll be uber involved with some newer uh, some newer faces that are responsible for position groups, but uh, you don't have much turnaround time to to become this new head coach. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. And now, and I might be wrong about this, but. You know, here's the way I look at it. This is a learning experience for Scott Frost, too. It's not like he's been a head coach for 20 years. You know, he's, he's not 
he hasn't coached long enough to the point where I think he can be set in his ways. And it's like, you know, this is a way something has to be done. I think it's a learning experience for him. And and so, I, I, you know, that's part of the process, you know. He's a relatively young head coach, and he's got to learn. And he he's learning. And, uh, you know, some of the, you know, dismissal of assistance, you know, that's part of the, Part of the process, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he has to adjust and learn as he goes. Babbers, would it, be, would it benefit Frost to have, I don't have a better term for this, a concierge? I know he's got Trev as his AD, but somebody on staff that is an older coach that's seen about everything or done about everything that can be there to, uh, to bounce things off of on top of his new staff. Uh, you know that's a that's a good point. I I don't know. Um, I think it's interesting. For example, that the, he said this morning that Gene Huey is going to work with the running backs. And the you know the, now there's a there's a great coach, mm-hmm. and there's a great guy that understands the dynamic of the profession and you know all the all the things that go into it. So you know he's got somebody he can bounce some things. Even though you know before that, even though he wasn't a full time assistant. Scott still had somebody that he could, you know, bounce things off of. Um, in in Gene Huey, I'm I'm a big Gene Huey guy, and uh, and so I think that's a positive, and I think that's, you know, I, I you have to be able to listen to some people, I think again because you're a young coach, you're learning as you, you're still learning, and you're a young coach now, you know, three years, the fourth year in the in the Big Ten, so. He has a better understanding of that, but we know that that's been an adjustment, you know, compared to what he said when he came in, and what his attitude is about things now in the Big Ten. That's a change, you know. That's part of the learning process. So, um, yeah, it helps to have probably helps to have uh, multiple people that you can bounce things off of. And I think he has some, you know, he has a he has a Ron Brown. He's mm-hmm. got some guys um, there that that uh, could do that for him. Last thought here, Babbers, before we get to some basketball, and that's looking ahead to next season. I'm sure we'll get some more clarity from Trev Alberts in the offseason about what's expected from this new LaCusker coaching staff next season. Uh, but, but what's your baseline? What does this, this team have to do in 2022 for Scott Frost to get a sixth season? I think that, that you know, I'm, I don't think they have to win, you know, get to the Big Ten championship game or win a Big Ten championship or whatever. I think they have to have a winning record, and I think they have to show – continued improvement, and the ability to not make so many self-destructive mistakes. You know, if you see some of that, if you've just seen some of that this year, um, in, in terms of the mistakes, self-destruction, um, they'd have the winning record. And maybe we wouldn't be having this discussion. So that's what I'm looking for next year is a winning record and a little better job of not making the mistakes that are so costly that have, that have hurt them uh, this season. That's what that's what I want to see because then that's that's progress. You know, you you get a winning record, you get into a bowl game, and you move forward from that. That's all. You don't have to win the Big Ten. It doesn't have to be dramatic, although for maybe for some people it does, but mm-hmm. for me that's not the case. Babbers, couple minutes here. Reaction to uh, Nebraska's upset loss last night at PBA. Uh, <laughs> that that caught me pretty much like the. Assistant coaches getting dumped in the middle of the season. Um, I did not think that that would happen. Um, I know that one of the things that Fred Hoiberg said going into the game was 
Rebounding was going to be important. Nebraska got out-rebounded by 20. Um, Nebraska's leading rebounder was a six foot three guard. Um, I, it, you know, and you guys were talking about it a little bit. Um, Burge and uh, Bryce McGowan's between them took uh, what thirty eight shots. Mm-hmm. Nebraska had fifty nine shots. Thirty eight of them came from two guys. Um, they did score fifty one points. And uh, and again, Verge was the leading rebounder with 13. Uh, but uh, I, I think that you've got to get, you've got to move the ball a little bit more, and uh, and you've got to be able to rebound somehow. You're going to have to figure that out. But um, it, it it completely blindsided me. I did, I did not think that Nebraska would lose to Western Illinois. There just to my mind, there was just no way. And uh, you know, even when Nebraska's behind by seven, it's like, well, this is just a case of, you know, good good for Western Illinois. And, and three Western Illinois guys fouled out on top of that. Including their leading scorer. Yeah, yeah. So you can't, I mean, not a good way to start things off, but it certainly would get your attention, I guess. The, the wrong uh, way, right, yeah. Peppers? But, hey, you can build from it. I mean, the this is like maybe the, the mother of all wake-up calls for them. Yeah, that, that's that's what I'm saying. That's a learning experience right there. Um, you know, you better be focused. And you better do the things you need to do, or bad things are going to happen. And, and uh, you know, you got to play Creighton uh, next week. And um, so, you know, I'm not going to just like, okay, well, that's it. You know, there, there's one loss to Western Illinois, so this season's gone. The baseball I, season I yet? Yeah, no yeah. <laughs> yeah. we'll, uh, we'll get caught up next week. Always love your thoughts and takes. Appreciate you making time today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Coming up, the pride of Ord and Husker basketball standout Andy Markowski. He'll sift through last night's disappointment at PBA for the men. The women crushed it. We welcome in Mike Shuhart, Wilderness Ridge Golf. Shuey's, it's been a bit of a Shuey World Tour going on here this fall. It's good to spend a few minutes with him to go find Shuey out at Wilderness Ridge. Some uh, major uh, uh, upgrades coming, and it's always been incredible, but uh, they will have a swim-up bar for you uh, this summer. Shuey, how you doing? I'm doing good. You? I'm good. How's that uh, swim-up bar coming? Is there enough rain out there at Wilderness to, to give it a test? Yeah, I might be able to test it after that little rain shower. Man. Filled it right up. I, I, I bet. We can even go do some fishing, too, Shuey. Exactly. Before, but I got to ask you this. And you're a great golfer. You're a pro. You're a PGA man. You're a teacher. You're a coach. But I, I know you, you got this big love for basketball. How many rebounds would you have gotten last night? Uh, more than six. I can guarantee you that. You believe that, was, that? Did you end up going, or did you just watch? No, I just I watch. I'm going Friday, actually. Well, see what what makes me doubt that you're is, still committed. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, but what, what makes me doubt that I'll six rebound committed. total is. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go ahead. Sorry, six foot eleven Wilhelm Breidenbach out there, zero point zero says zero rebounds, and he was trying. I don't think Shuhart's six foot eleven. No, Shuey's feisty, dude. I mean, <laughs> Shuey, <laughs> right, man. It's all about will effort. 
You nailed it. And, and hops. Well, it, it come, Rodman wasn't the tallest guy, but he had. He loved getting in your head. He loved boxing out. I'm not saying there's a Rodman at PBA, but there's your case in point, right? He's not as thick as Carl Malone, but he loved messing with the mailman and, and out-rebounded him. So how do you – we'll start with hoops here, Shuey, and continue with hoops. Uh, just a massive wake-up call. This has kind of been our theme. Like, knee-jerk is to go, oh, my God, what what's going to happen with hoops this year? Or, okay, they're new. This is their come to Jesus. Maybe they'll go to church now. Point being, this this has got to humble them, right, and, and focus them for Friday and beyond. Where are you at with that? That's what I'm hoping for, you know, <laughs> is that it's like I think the first game's always tough. Shouldn't be that tough, though. But And, I mean, Fred said it earlier. He says they're going to have a difficult time on the offensive boards, and he wasn't kidding, you know, and it's – you know, that offensive, just rebounding in general, man, that's just effort. That's, that's, do you want it more than the other guy? You know, and it's like, it's nasty. I mean, it's sometimes it's not fun to do that, but it's like you, it's part of what you have to do. You know, and I don't know. You got to figure out if they're going to be nasty enough to be able to do that. Well, you'll need yeah. more than one or two guys to do it. And you, you got to have a collection of guys and, you can, can you make nasty? I mean, let's talk golf for a moment here. Can you can you make nasty or become nasty, or does it got to be an eight? No, no, you can. I mean, you get tired of getting kicked in the teeth enough. I mean, then some guys get nasty, some guys just go away. Mm. You know, so you're going to find out. You got a lot of guys that like to handle the ball and score, but they don't like to do the dirty work. You got to find those guys that like to do the dirty work. Look at... Uh, Damon Green, I mean, he makes that team really good because he's the one guy that's willing to do all the dirty work, and he likes it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you got to find those guys that like to do the dirty work. And I, uh, hopefully they get a little wake-up call. You find a few guys that like that. I don't know. We're going to find out. I mean, you got a lot of guys that love the glory and the headlines. We have a lot of that going on down there. And it's like, give me some hard-nosed guys that dislike the – do the dirty work, don't need the glory, don't need the headlines, don't need the NLI, you know, just go do their job and without all the things that go along with it. I mean, you got to find a lot more guys like that. We're too soft. We like, we like all the pretty stuff, all the shiny stuff. Nobody likes to go dig a ditch. Shall we, let's talk football and a lot of changes for Nebraska. Coach Frost retained Got a got a pay cut, but had to make a tough call on on four of his assistants. What do you think of that? I don't get it. Nah, I, it's like I don't get it. I don't get it. Why? Why those four? You know, it's like I, I I don't know. I mean, that was I don't. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I get it. A change had to be made because it's like you can't keep doing the same thing over and over. And hoping for a different outcome, which is what they were doing. We're so close, and it looks like we're going to win games. Bottom line is you lose games. So it's like you can't keep getting fooled by it looks really good, looks really close, and we're going to win, we're going to win, we're going to start really turning the corner, and you win three games year after year after year. So, I mean, you have to make a change to try to to, to do just that, make a change. I just don't. I don't know. I mean, they had to do something. So I guess those were the four sacrificial lambs that had to go first. And then the rest will go later if it doesn't work. 
offensively, what's your take here? Do you think Scott can can change the offense? I mean, that's the thought. Get get more Big Ten ish uh, and more consistent. But I guess I'm kind of in wait and see mode. How how different it's going to look here in 2022 with the offense? You'd think he can. I mean, he came from something like that, so you would think he knows it. I, mean, I don't think he's I don't think he's done it for a long time. You know, I, I think that's a little bit of what he finally realized or had to realize is that, you know, you are playing in the Big Ten and you need to play a different brand of ball. When he first came here, it was like he's going to play his ball and the Big Ten's going to have to adjust to him. And four years later, they found out that, no, it's kind of the opposite, you know. You're talking about a conference that has the most elite coaches in the country, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, they, they know what they're doing. I mean, that's, that's why they're super successful all the time. And they know what they're doing in the conference they're in and the climate they play in. And, uh, and they've done it for a long time, you know, and they're very successful at it and they have been, you know, he tried to make a change and make Oregon offense up tempo, fast pace, this and that. And it doesn't, it obviously, it doesn't work in the Big Ten. I mean, it's it's a big boy, dig it out of the dirt conference. Mike, these moves make it seem a lot more likely that the offense is going to change. We got about a minute left here, um, but it's going to change most likely through the loss of Adrian Martinez, uh, getting to the end of the Martinez era here. These last two games, most likely. Uh, what's your take on life after Adrian? Uh, you got to go find a quarterback that actually can make plays when he needs to instead of not, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, you got to find a gamer. You got to find a guy that, that when the heat is on and the pressure is the most, he actually can stay calm enough and be productive enough to, to make that play that makes the difference. You know, that, that's one of the things that we're lacking. I mean, it's that every time we need to do that, we do the, just the opposite. I mean, we, we make the opposite type of play. We turn it over, we this, we do that. You know, we got to find a guy that, that can actually rise to the occasion when the pressure is at its highest. And that's not easy to do. I mean, that's, that takes an elite mentality, one, and skill level. Shuey, uh, folks can come find you out at Wilderness for lessons, for membership info, maybe to just have a big old steak. Yeah, all that good stuff. You know, you want to find us, go to willisridgegolf.com. All our information, contact information on membership, uh, lessons, um, kind of anything you want to know about Wilderness is right there. Um, Contact us, and we'd love to talk to you. Joey, we'll talk to you next week, bud. Thanks for the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Stay safe. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Christian and Elijah Herbal. Thanks to Mike Shuhart. Wilderness Ridge Golf. We didn't talk much golf. We just talked football at hoops because Shuey loves his sports. Mike Babcock got us going in the first part of this hour. The pride of Ord is Andy Markowski, Husker standout, multiple-year captain. Uh, his uh, daughter uh, is going to be a good one down in Lincoln for Coach Williams. We'll get the uh, Big Red perspective on the hardwood from Coach, from Andy Markowski 
Coming up here in about 10 minutes for the men and women. Oscar basketball teams, good ball, good day for the women and uh, not so much for the men. And then some more thoughts on the Scott Frost presser today in uh, or, uh, the 525 segment. Numbers to get in at 466-3776-800-825-5865. Get your emails in, chris at halevarsity.com. So uh, we'll also dive into a little bit of the college football playoff next hour. Uh, good good job, Michigan State, uh, all for naught. And uh, some of the other rankings. This was interesting. And Colin Cowherd, back when he, when he was with ESPN and just kind of starting out when he, when he uh, took over that 9 a.m. slot, Cowherd was really good to the, the little guys. And, and that's, that's ESPN affiliates. That's us. And Cowherd was so incredible uh, to to talk to, and he would come on a couple three times a football season. Back then, Nebraska had USC on the schedule, right? The 05-06 season. So Cowherd always loved talking talking seat college football, and was was gracious enough to come on and, and spend time on the show. And and he'd also be in town for the CWS, and just like like Omaha, loved the state of Nebraska, very knowledgeable and you can disagree with him on a lot of things but heard loves him some husker football he wants nebraska to be good and he had joel clatt on today and clatt was talking a little bit about nebraska on uh the herd today and and cowards come out immediately after the announcement by trev on monday and said this is the right call nebraska and and it was kind of echoed by joel clatt saying look nebraska absolutely got this right in keeping Scott Frost. They're light years better than they were two to three years ago. And this is Clatt little inside baseball. And it's right. It's Joel Clatt sharing some thoughts from Ryan day. And you heard Ryan day talk about it after the playoff ranking, but Hey, I don't need to any day. I have to apologize for a tough road win and Lincoln's a good day. Well, he's like, look, talk to other coaches in the Big Ten. Ryan Day was like, I haven't been this nervous for a game in a long time, says the guy who's undefeated in conference his first three years. Now, a lot of that is coaches love certain opponents because they want to keep the guy around because they keep beating him. I think this is genuinely, look, Nebraska's got got some dudes, got got better players, and uh, they, they have a, have the potential to be scary. I still think that is accurate. I'm anxious to see this CEO role. I'm anxious to find out who the offensive coordinator is. I'm anxious to find out who the OC can bring along. And quite honestly, I'm anxious to see Scott Frost, his ability to listen to people. He's been listening to Trev. Are there more people he's going to listen to that know some football? Hour two is on the way. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. I actually thought we was going to come out and be a lot better on the old boy. Um today but you know it's it's just toughness we gotta we gotta toughen up at some point we gotta say we're tired of letting people come in and get our board and we just gotta toughen up as a team 
Husker standout Derek Walker there about toughness and rebounding. Shock, some awe, frustration. Nebraska falling to Western Illinois last night. We'll have plenty more thoughts on Scott Frost here coming up and the Husker women do their job yesterday afternoon. The pride of Ord with us to get our two kicked off. It is Andy Markowski, standout Husker basketball player. And uh, we say hi to uh, Andy Markowski at Markowski underscore Andy's where you find him on Twitter. Andy, thanks for a few minutes. How's your day? Yeah, I'm uh, pretty good, Smitty. Um, yesterday was my birthday and the kickoff of college basketball. So uh, just kind of recovering from that. So you're you're sitting right around 39 again, aren't you? It's been that way for uh, seven or eight years. It's amazing. So, <laughs> You and me both, man. You and me both. Junior's birthday's today. And uh, he went out and failed his, uh, his driver's test. So uh, his, 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 uh, his learner's permit, he bombed that one just like <laughs> his old man. So, uh, yeah, I'm going to pile on him in about 30 minutes. Uh, it'll be great radio. Um, now, it was uh, interesting last night. We'll start with... Uh, uh, Coach Hoiberg in Nebraska. <laughs> Andy, what were you expecting last night from the Big Red? Well, I I, I, I thought they had a chance um, to, to win. Um, you know, I, I knew Western Illinois was, you know, Rob Jeter was actually up for the uh, the Nebraska job with, with Tim Miles got it. Um, you know, so you knew they were going to be well coached. Uh, uh, but, but really, just a a very disappointing game and, and not that we knew there wasn't going to be growing pains uh, with a young group, but you know, their, their deficiencies defensively with rotation and uh, block out rotation. Um, it's, it's beyond toughness. Um, it was, it was really appalling. And the coach in me, I uh, was just really disappointed that, that they could be that far behind, um, you know, in, in those areas. Um, but, you know, certainly not having Webster and Mayan and, you know, Eduardo would have helped them in that game, but but there there's bigger problems. You know, to to get fixed. Um, you know, those three injuries. You know, if, if they can't rebound and, and defend at a higher rate, you know, this, this team can't can't go anywhere in the Big Ten. Andy Markowski is with us. Andy, is this a a wake up call, one time thing? And I'm not saying the rebounding. I'm just talking all of the the deficiencies you touched on. Is this a, a, a chance for Nebraska to to learn from it and not have a lapse like this again, or can this be a persistent issue with these guys all season long? How big picture or in the moment is this for you? Yeah, I, certainly they're going to get better and improve. Uh, you know, Doc and, and Coach Hoiberg are you know are, are smart coaches. You know, I, I don't know if they just did spend enough time in some of those areas that Western Illinois had really good positional size. So, you know, any type of switch, we, you know, we had to help into the post. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that happened in that game that you look back on. Um, you know, McGowan's getting in foul trouble early in the first half really really hurt us as well. He, he's the one physical wing that we have that, that can go in and rebound. I just never felt like we got our feet underneath of us. Um, so, I you know, Wilhelm as a freshman, you know, really got exposed in, in that game. I, I think he'll have a chance to improve and be better than he was. So there, there's a lot to, uh, you know, I'm not giving up on the group, but 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 certainly there there was some deficiencies that uh, you you hope they can improve because uh, you know just not you know, West Illinois is, is an okay team, uh, but they don't over talent you and over physicality 
you know, compared to what they're going to see in the Big Ten. But, you know, there's some bright spots. I thought West Illinois had a really good game plan against against Verge. Um, even though Verge had 25, they, they just did not help. They, they were going to let him drive and, and, and try to finish against, you know, size um, and didn't allow anybody else to really get going. I don't know if Nebraska had practiced against that. I think they were used to Verge creating a lot of offense for their teammates and West Illinois did a really good job of just not leaving our shooters and, and making Birch. Uh, you know, he's going to allow them to. Oh, they're going to allow him to be beat them. And you know, we we had our chances. Make some free throws late, you still win. Uh, but there, there's a lot that they're going to learn from, adjust, and you know, they'll go back and, and practice. And you know, the great thing is you got Creighton uh, next Tuesday, which will be the ultimate deodorant. If you can find a way to, to win that one, you'll you'll quickly move on from the West Illinois loss. Andy Markowski's with us here. And Andy, the, the, the defense and the rebounding was disappointing, but to me it wasn't as disappointing as the offense because you knew there was going to be some, uh, some rebounding issues this season with the size of this team. And defensively, that's not what Fred Hoiberg's teams are built on. Uh, but offensively, with only one assist in the first half, it really just felt like there was no space for the Huskers. They got it down inside, and then there was a lot of size down there. Uh, and then uh, the three-point shooters seemed to be covered pretty well. It seemed like the most space was open in the mid-range, and that's not what Fred Hoiberg's offense is built on. So can you just speak a little bit about just the offensive struggles Nebraska faced last night, and were you expecting that? Yeah, like I said, I, I give uh, Western Illinois a lot of credit on on how they, uh, you know, defended us um, in terms of, of of taking some of the three point shooters away. Um, I didn't think Walker uh, had the, the the presence that he needed. Uh, I thought we could take advantage of that a little bit more on some pick and rolls on the backboard. Um, you know, I thought we were impatient. Um, you know, we we started to leak out just because we we were scoring in transition, but by leaking out. You know, really exposed the backboard. Um, you know, we we're going to have to find another point guard, in my opinion. Um, you know, Verge has to play a lot of minutes. It, it'd be nice to see what Webster can, can do to complement the group. Um, you know, I, I thought losing Lat hurt them. I mean, I, I know Fred played a lot of different lineups trying to find something last night uh, just with, with, uh, with a few of his uh, returners being out and Webster and Lat played. You know, started played a lot of games for him a year ago, um, but yeah, just all, all around disappointing. They they, uh, they they turned it over too much. They dribbled too much. You know, one assist as you mentioned. I I think uh, you know they're out rebounded by thirty. Um, you know, I've kind of given Fred a, a pass with COVID and having to turn the roster over, but but um, you know th- that's a loss that that can't happen. I mean, if you if you want to change the culture of the program and. The fans were excited to be there, and, and uh, you know there wasn't anybody that, that didn't leave there highly disappointed in what they saw. Let's talk a little bit here about the the dynamic on offense, and Andy, as as we look at this team moving forward with Creighton looming, this non-conference, and then the Big Ten being what it is, do you think guys can settle into their role? And I know McGowan's Bryce. Uh, was was big when the outside wasn't working and some of the shots at the rim weren't falling. He, he did get to the line. Same with Verge. You had some volume scoring from both of those guys. Do you worry about this team, specifically McGowan's and, and Verge, being able to coexist uh, on offense? Or do you think guys will settle uh, in to their roles and you'll see more of that Hoiberg offense where there is ball movement? Yeah, this team's going to grow and improve, um, no, no doubt. And, and you could have Verge. Verge is a pass-first point guard. Um, but like I said, just how Western Illinois defended him mm-hmm. forced him to, to score. There wasn't a lot of 
you know, passing options. You know, McGowan is a freshman, you know, highly talented, made made a lot of really, you know, great plays in that game, but yet he also took some bad shots and didn't finish your contact and defensively he's still liability. You know, all those things are, are still going to exist uh, in, in the short term. But, you know, this team ha- has a chance. I mean, I, I'm disappointed because I, I thought they had a chance to go 10-1 and one in the non-conference. Um, and, you know, and, and these losses are – it's just so hard to win in the Big Ten. To give up a home game against Western Illinois, you know, could, could really come back to haunt you down the road. So I, I, I'm optimistic. You know, Fred's going to solve the offensive side of it. Um, but they, they're going to have to to just rebound better, be more cohesive on the defensive side. You know, they, they scored enough points to win. Uh, as bad as, you know, we can be critical of the offense with three-point shooting and some missed free throws late, uh, not a lot of assists. I mean, I remember Barry Collier and Doc Sadler playing a lot of games in the 50s. I mean, they, you know, they scored enough to win. They just they have to shore up their defense to, to be able to be more competitive against the better teams. Andy Markowski's with us, the pride of Ord. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And uh, Andy, last thought on, on Nebraska men. Uh, interested to get your take. W- was there a, a moment for you with uh, some teams you were a part of, pretty talented? Did you have a scare or a, a ball game like this that, that kind of recalibrated, refocused you, one of the teams you were on? Yeah, I, I think and there's always a trust issue, right, where you, where you sacrifice you know, your personal agenda for the betterment of the team. And, and the good teams all, all have that. And I, I think one of the challenges I saw with this group is they're young and, and they're, they're coming from a lot of different programs with a lot of individual expectations. And I, you can kind of see that on the court at times. You know, there's a little bit more flash than substance. And, and at this, you know, hopefully a loss like this allows – you know, maybe the coaching staff to, to get their points across, um, you know, more than what they were able to communicate prior to a loss. You know, sometimes losing is, is good. Sometimes a, a bad win can, can count as a loss in terms of the coaching moments. But if, if this team doesn't, you know, come together with some urgency, uh, sacrifice some of their, their, their own individual accolades for the betterment of the team and, and winning, I know they can say that. Everybody can go and get interviewed and, and talk that. But if, it, if it's not – something that you truly believe in and, and all 12, 13 players can rally behind, you know, this team will fall short of, of, of those, uh, those goals. But, um, you know, this loss certainly, if it doesn't alarm you as a player that you need to, to do something, you know, better and, and improve and listen to the coaches, uh, you know, it's going to be a long season. So hopefully they learn from this and, you know, and, and come out and have a game in between Creighton. But, but certainly the non-conference schedule is going to allow them some, some growth opportunities you know, you just wish you made a couple free throws late where this was a learning opportunity off of a win. Andy, let's uh, talk about uh, Nebraska women and uh, the win over Maine and Alexis's debut. And how was that for, for you and your family, man? How was uh, yesterday afternoon? Yeah, just re- really special. Um, you know, fun to see, um, you know, not only, um, you know, Alexis, but, but just, uh, you know, Fans being back in the stadium, uh, you know, a lot of people were at the noon new tip, and you know, as I said last time, I, I do feel like the women have a chance to have a really, a really good season. And and uh, Maine was was supposed to, uh, you know, be competitive. They were a team that won their league last year, picked second this year, and and really just just were physically overmatched and overwhelmed. Uh, you know, which you never know one game in, but but certainly 108 points is a great start. And, uh, Nebraska have a has a few more easy, 
you know, non-conference games, and then, you know, then Creighton and things get a little bit more difficult. But, you know, our family, um, you know, really happy for Alexis. She's worked hard and, uh, you know, really happy for her teammates to, to get the season started. Looking forward to following them. What do you, uh, what kind of wows you uh, about this, the potential for this, uh, the, the women's team, Coach Williams, and either offensive or defensively, what, what, what kind of makes you smile or say, man, that's, that could be special this year for, for this group? Well, they're they're really versatile. They um, they can play small. They can play a little bigger. Um, they they have um, you know, Bourne and Haby are, are two returners that were as good as anybody in the Big Ten a year ago. But they added a, a player by the name of Jess Shelley, a transfer from Oregon, which was a you know top fifty recruit and made eleven threes in a, in a game uh, you know a year ago at Oregon. Um, so it goes on and on. They they can really shoot the basketball. They've got good versatility. They've got good depth. Uh, you know, they've played 12 players again um, between 15 and 18 minutes. I don't know if that's going to continue for the whole season, but um, but yeah, good. You know, the the culture is good. They, the the kids like each other. Um, you know, we'll see when adversity hits. Right. You know, you never know when that when that first hits. But um, but I, I think if the fans come out, they're going to see fundamental basketball. They can they can really shoot it. They share it. Um, and, I, and I think they care. I, I think they want to be good. They, they want to put Nebraska women, you know, back on the map from some of the, the good teams that kind of Yori have. And I think they, you know, have the talent to do that this season. Danny Markowski with us, the pride of Ord, uh, Nebraska basketball standout, proud papa. And, uh, well, Duke got it done last night before we say goodbye. A tight one over Kentucky. UCLA looks as good as advertised. And, uh, I'm surprised Izzo didn't break something on the on the bench last night, uh, Andy, against KU. Yeah, he's got a young group, and uh, you know the thing about Tom Izzo is the team that they have in November won't be the team they have in late February. So if you're going to beat him, you want to be you want to beat him early <laughs> because he's proven that by the end of the year they're they'll be a tough out. So, uh, but no, just great to uh, be able to, to come home and you know, like I said, watch watch those games last night, and uh, you know, Big Ten looks strong as ever and and uh, it'd be fun to see who, who who's the last one standing for the national championship well we'll be uh all over that andy we'll talk soon thanks for the uh, input and, and the uh thoughts today on basketball appreciate your time bud all right Smitty. thanks there he is eddie markowski the pride of ord and uh him and his family had to be grinning ear to ear with uh with alexis 8.7 rebounds had a blast covering uh, her and her talented squads from Pius. Now she's playing good ball in the Big Ten. Uh, great uh, early moments for her in his take on Nebraska basketball uh, with the adversity side of things. I think they'll be able to grow and learn, right, and just settle down. But it's going to be a guy like Walker. We, we've talked about this for football when it comes to peer voices, right? Well, it's going to take a couple of guys in that locker room for Nebraska basketball. And you've got good leadership. We've talked about that leading up to this season where, all right, you've got a guy in, in Trey McGowan's that's uh, a grinder, that is willing to get dirty and uh, is a rebounder, is, is, a, is an influence. He's going to have to make sure some of the, the new guys or the young guys are putting in effort and work. It's about culture now. That's the big word. So now we get to talk culture for hoops. Yeehaw. Uh, We'll do some more football here. A couple of thoughts from Fred. Uh, Open phones as well. 466-3776. It's Hale Varsity on a Wednesday. 
Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery, the good old college football playoff rankings. Outrage for some, laughing for others. <laughs> we'll get there in a minute. Uh, news of the day, Scott Frost, his post-practice newser. And just to kind of recap it, we heard from Coach a little bit earlier. Still not sure on special teams if there's going to be a dedicated coach. Coach Dawson's done a good job when it comes to handing over the reins of the offense. It's got to be a an offensive coordinator he'll trust. And uh, with that CEO role, can he change quickly, i.e. by next season, by, by, by winter conditioning? Uh, you'll go get your offensive coordinator, and you'll go get a running backs coach. You may have a special teams coordinator or not. You'll have an offensive line coach you're going to go after. And uh, we'll see if that OC ends up being Jake Peets, the pride of O'Neill. But uh, the offensive coordinator at LSU will see if Mickey Joseph is part of that package deal. And if you go portaling for the LSU quarterback in Brennan, I mean, all of those things on the move from the Bayou, we'll see if they land in Lincoln. And having Bill Bush as an analyst right now can't hurt because it wasn't that long ago Bill Bush was was down there. So uh, some things to, to think about here. You're going to have Cooper coaching the quarterback, Cazano at wide receiver, and uh, Reducci uh, will be handling the O-line. He has Big Ten background, was part of what Iowa did. So uh, there's some some knowledge there. And uh, the sentiment was very somber. Scott Frost tore up about having to fire four assistants. Very heartbroken over doing so. The easy part was taking the pay cut. And uh, the the continued trust and growth and development uh, between him and Trev Alberts uh, very evident here. Uh, last thought here from Scott Frost. Let's let's hear about kind of backing away. And, and some of you might say, well, what? You're, you're, you're hoping to get to five and seven. You, you may end up with three wins. What do you mean backing away? Well, head coach has got to be the face, not just on the sideline, not just with the headset. But they got to be out and about. And it's not that Frost hasn't been out and about. I mean, he's he's been good with kids. And, and I, I know this firsthand with Junior's uh, midget football team. I mean, Scott's taken time to, to do things for young football players. He has. Uh, he's stopped by... Uh, and and made time for kids. He's spoken to teams, so he cares. But this is Scott about just being able to be out and more. Well, you need to win football games on Saturday and know what every facet of your team's doing Monday through Sunday. There is the the face and the outwardness of the program where you are actually shaking some hands, kissing some babies. Uh, you know, this was a. I think people know, and, and it's not intended. Uh, had anyone that was here before this was a big fix um and 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 i put my absolute heart and soul into this to to get it where i want it and where the state wants it um when you're working that hard to get it fixed um 
I'd love to be out talking to the fans more, and I'd love to go uh, do more booster functions. I'd love to go hunting more uh, in western Nebraska. Um, and th those things are important, I think, uh, for my sanity and also so I get to spend time uh, with people that matter in Nebraska. Um, I love the state. I love representing the state. I want to spend more time doing some of those things, and um, I, I think this will help me do that. That'll be important. Uh, you, you need some hearts and minds. Let's just not kid ourselves from a PR standpoint. You have gotten an extra year because you are a national championship quarterback. That's that's true. That's fine. Good. Good. Now do something with it. I think he aims to do something with it and make the right hires and, and be open to – to listen to people. And you've got Ron Brown, you've got Coach Osborne, you have Trev Alberts. It's okay to hire somebody as an offensive coordinator that thinks differently than you, that is different than you, that challenges you. And, you know, just talking with some people, uh, I think back to, to Bo, and you may have not been a Bo fan, but Bo on his staff, and I know there was the, the sneering at, in some instances at the Papuchas of the world or the Rich Fishers or whatever, right? Nothing's ever perfect, but Papuchas has been coaching for a long time post-Nebraska, right? I mean, Papuchas was not just a, a yes man. Papuchas was a good coach, and that's been proven after his time at Nebraska, not someone you can walk all over. And in and, and, and Bo's meetings, he'd have a guy like well, Carl, right? I mean, we can say a lot of things about Carl, but Carl would call BS on some of the game plans. Um, uh, the uh, the former secondary coach for Nebraska, God darn it, his name, I just had it on the tip of my tongue, uh, would, would challenge Nebraska, would, would challenge Bo, right? I mean, it wasn't just, all right, this is the greatest defense ever assembled. I'm brilliant. We're going to go with this. No, uh, you, had, you need people to check and balance and people outside of, of, of who you've brought with you from Central Florida. That's probably the biggest reason for this change. Get new ideas, new voices and a back and forth as to it's not who's right uh, or who's winning this argument. It's is this going to work for the team and will it be better with some passing game and some run game options so your offense isn't stuck at 21 points a game in conference? So you're not getting seven sacks a ball game. We're not averaging below four a contest carrying the football where you don't stick with the run or you go away from the run. Those are the people that need to be in the conference rooms game planning Monday through Thursday. And, and, and that's where we're going to be. Uh, let's get a quick thought from Hoiberg before we jump to college football playoff reaction. Uh, and Fred, this kind of sets it all up, right? Uh, Fred, after the loss last night, and just listen to his tone. Uh, if, if he could burn holes through things, he would have last night, and I don't blame him. Well, especially in the first half, we had one assist at halftime, and you know it's just it's not us. And they went to a switching one through five defense. We got really stagnant, obviously, and just tried to drive through a pile and, and throw up wild shots. Second half, our pace was much better. You know, we scored forty-two points. That's enough. Uh, you know, we just didn't have any physicality and couldn't finish off possessions on the defensive end. Um, you know, you can go one or two ways from this. You can 
pout and put your heads down, or you can learn from it and get better. And that's that's what we're going to have to do these next two days, leading into our next game on Friday. We're playing a good team uh, on Friday. Got to grow from it. We got to get better from it, and and uh, and find a way to get some type of physicality out there. We're just getting manhandled right now, obviously on the glass. That is a challenge to your manhood. Respond against Sam Houston State. College football playoff, Elijah. And look, this thing will all shake itself out, but it is going to be drama-filled down the stretch for the Big Ten because you got Ohio State right now sitting at four, right behind Oregon. You have a round robin between Ohio State, Michigan State, Michigan, right? They're all You're going to have... Uh, and Penn State's part of that, too. I know they're not really highly ranked, but you're going to have uh, Michigan State that still has to play Ohio State. They still have to play Penn State. Ohio State still has Michigan looming, of course. And uh, Michigan uh, still has to take on Ohio State. They fell to Michigan State. And how does it grab you that, that Sparty, who lost to Michigan, I should say who beat Michigan head-to-head, Lost to Purdue. Purdue's now ranked. Purdue's been a good enough team to be ranked a couple of different times this year. So you, you put Michigan instead of Mich- in, in front of Michigan State. Listen, that, that wears me out. I think Michigan's a really good football team. They lost head-to-head. They should be behind Michigan State. It's not that hard of math. Yeah, and this is from uh, college football playoff chair Gary Barta. At the end of the Iowa day, guy. at the end of the day, we thought Michigan was a better team and deserved to be ranked ahead of Michigan State. That's one thing. If Michigan were to have lost to Michigan State week one, and they've had time to improve, but they lost 10 days ago. It is not long enough for you to go, okay, well, Michigan State was the better team 10 days ago, but now we look at it and, and Michigan's better. Are you kidding me? Like, And, and yet uh, you also put Oregon ahead of Ohio State, even though Ohio it's head State... head to head. It's head to head. Ohio State has gone and done a whole bunch of... I mean, they've gotten so much better since they lost to Oregon week two. I, and I yet, hear you. And I, yet you're they... going to look at this and go... We still think Oregon's a better team than Ohio State, but we don't think Michigan State's better than Michigan, even though Michigan State beat them 10 days ago. No, it makes it makes no sense. And what you're trying to do is cover yourself on the committee because whoever wins the West is going to take on who survives the final three weeks out of the East. So you got to get your Big Ten team in, right? Uh, you have your SEC situation, which means are you going to – look at keeping Alabama in if they don't win the SEC championship at, with a two loss because Georgia's probably either Georgia gets knocked off and falls from one to four in the SEC title game assuming everybody survives Oregon do they stay where they're at or do they fall out if everyone wins out do we finish with Georgia or Alabama Georgia can't win out they'll play each other but the winner of that, do they? The loser of that, does that fall? Does that team fall to four? And do you keep Oregon in over uh, a Cincinnati? Do you keep Oregon in in front of Ohio State if Ohio State runs the table by fifty over everybody? Um, Oklahoma's unbeaten right now, and I know that they've got Iowa State and Oklahoma State looming. Those are that's how their finish is. A and M right now is. At eleven, that's that's the Alabama loss. They're seven and two. They've gotten better. Wisconsin's a far cry from the mess they were at six and three. Purdue's at six and three. I mean, and and quite honestly, I mean, you have Purdue ranked in front of Iowa, <laughs> so you have your head to heads that are counting everywhere except Michigan 
and Michigan State. And what they also want to do here, because it's going to be an ESPN or an ABC game, if, if Michigan continues to win out and Ohio State continues to win out, that is your, uh, that's your prime time who's going to the playoff, who's going to the Big Ten title game showdown. So this is a little bit of housekeeping to keep teams ranked as high, to keep interest as high. But it's not ever – you can talk out of both sides of your mouth up until that final decision day. That's what's happening. I'm still going to say easiest way to do the college role playoff, take it out of a committee's hands and go the five conference champions and then the best group of five teams, six well, teams. That, that'll, that'll eventually probably be it. So is is losing at at Purdue by 11 points more damning than actually beating the team head-to-head? <laughs> I guess, man. Purdue Pete's scary. Jock Duck's on the way with Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a caught preteen Swedish boy. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us. Dr. Brandon, how you doing? Hey, I'm great, Chris. How are you guys? We're hanging in, man. Busy week and, and more thoughts on the NFL. There's a lot of walking, wounding, wounded, and a lot of COVID going on with the NFL. But Carolina, you just don't know where they're at. They get McCaffrey back, but limited, obviously, with... Uh, what he's been going through. And, and I was always pretty curious here about the Sam Darnold experiment as he got out of New York. It's like getting out of jail. And uh, he goes down to Carolina, and it's been up and down. They started off okay and then not so much. And now Darnold has an incomplete fracture of his right shoulder blade. I know that hurts. Tell me more about it. Yeah, definitely a freakish injury. Uh, but, you know, I- Honestly, I'm surprised we don't see more of these in you know, NFL players in you know, football in general. I just think about that kind of compressive injury of you're getting taken down as a quarterback and you hit the turf hard and somebody lands on top of you, which is kind of that classic mechanism for some kind of compression injury over your scapula, your shoulder blade. As we always do, kind of thinking about you know anatomy here, you know what you know, what is the shoulder blade? Most of us know what the shoulder blade is. Basically, that kind of wing structure that sits behind the shoulder. Uh, in ortho speak, we call it the scapula. Uh, but there's a couple of important, really really important structures that are a part of the scapula, the shoulder blade. One in particular is you know if you think about your shoulder, um, in the shoulder joint itself, the, the shoulder is a ball and socket. On the socket side, that's called the glenoid. That actually comes off of the side of the shoulder blade. So that's part of one unit. Um, and so as you think about your throwing and all the things you do with your shoulder, all of that motion is going to be trans- transferred in some way through that shoulder blade or the scapula. Um, and so it's hard to say exactly where along his scapula this injury occurred. They're not being real descriptive about where it is. Um, based on the fact that all the reports that there seem to be leaning towards a non-operative route, my assumption is going to be this is in what we call the body of the scapula, which is kind of the main kind of triangular-shaped portion of it, um, and probably not into the socket portion, which is the glenoid. Typically, if you're up in the glenoid region, usually one that's a more you know significant injury going to knock you out of the game very quickly, um, and those typically are going to be more on the surgical side. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us at Jock Doc Wednesday. Sam Darnold and his shoulder injury are topic. 
Now, he reported soreness in his shoulder after the game uh, on Sunday. They did an MRI. That's where this was revealed. He threw three picks. And not that his accuracy has been on point always this year, but that had to affect what he was trying to do. This just blows my mind that a guy can can keep competing. And I know he's been knocked out of several games, but, oh, my, my shoulder's sore. Well, here, dude, you've, you've got a right shoulder blade that's that's <laughs> fractured. But it, right. it sounds like he's a pretty tough dude. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, you do have to commend the fellow for playing, playing the rest of the game on that. Um, these are very sore. You know, the other thing we always think about, too, is, if you're traumatizing your scapula, your shoulder blade, to the point of having a fracture, whether you're non-displaced or displaced, um, think about the other you know areas that are going to be traumatized. In order to fracture your scapula, what happens is that scapula gets you know basically compressed up against your chest wall, and so you would think he probably has some type of rib trauma as well. Maybe he didn't fracture a rib. They're not talking about that. Um, but if he didn't fracture it, at the very minimum, he's at least had a pretty significant, you know, kind of posterior or, or rib contusion in the, in the back, and maybe even kind of a stretch injury to the costocartilage, the cartilage in between the ribs. And so, again, adding all those things together, pretty amazing that fellow was able to finish the game. Let's talk uh, return, recovery, and is could there be any any lingering issues on that shoulder for him? Yeah, you know, I think long-term this will do well, um, but that's going to be, you know, long-term. I mean, to recover from a big, you know, injury like this and the contusion, obviously, to the, to the rib area as well, I mean, you're probably looking at being pretty darn sore, especially throwing stuff for the next, I would say, probably good three or four months. Um, you know, when do you reach that point where you feel pretty good kind of throwing, having good velocity, good control? Yeah, it could be six or eight weeks. Maybe even Maybe you get to three months. Uh, but I would venture to say if the, if the kid was able to play through the rest of the game with this, he's probably going to be back somewhere between that four- to six-week time frame would be my guess. Is it a mental hurdle for him from a re-injury standpoint? Could this region mm-hmm. get popped again? Yes is the answer, but but how how likely is it for a repeat injury to the same region? Mm-hmm. Um not super likely. Uh, again, it's it's all about you know how well his line obviously protects him, um, and you know kind of how you the, the way that they you know typically would hit him and bring him down. If you can avoid kind of falling down on that side, that's where most of that you know, most of the symptoms are going to come from. Um, you know, obviously your pads are up there. You can put your flag fist on, which he probably had one of those on anyhow. Um, but yeah, it just depends on kind of how he's getting taken down. If you can avoid some of those big hits that come from across the other side of the tackle, then. Probably do okay. He'll be hesitant. I think he'll definitely be a little bit gun shy. And I think velocity wise, he's going to struggle a little bit when he first gets back. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. We're talking Sam Darnold and the incomplete fracture of that right shoulder blade. Going to miss several weeks due to the injury. ESPN confirming that. So when we get back to, to Darnold, uh, right now, it's is it. Ibuprofen and ice and some 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 pain medication is that pretty much the gist of, of the treatment right now with the non-surgery? Yeah, yeah. So that's that's a good start. Uh, they, they'll probably it just depends. They might put him in a sling for a week or two just to kind of get some rest to the area. 
Um, but along with that, you still you don't want to mobilize it too much. Uh, these can tighten up a lot. Your, your shoulder blade tends to want to kind of scar down onto the back of the chest wall. And so they'll definitely want to start here some, some what we call scapular shoulder blade mobilization exercises. They want to make sure they're able to maintain his range of motion in the shoulder. And I would assume with some therapy, probably in about three or four weeks, they'll start more on the strengthening side of things as he starts to feel better. Is it more about weights or is it just movement, range of motion stuff? More on the range of motion stuff, yeah. That'd be kind of the big thing. Is you, it, This is one of those injuries where you're going to have to really work hard to kind of recorrect your, your mechanics. Mm. Um, there's obviously been a little bit of mechanics change with this, again, just because it's amazing how much mobility or scapula provides to the shoulder. And so you can think about if you're not moving your shoulder blade well, then you're going to push all that force into the shoulder joint itself. Velocity goes down. Symptoms start to happen elsewhere. We see this a lot in our throwing athletes, our baseball kids. Uh, we don't have very good scapular mobility. So it could, if he's overcorrecting or compensating, could it lead to some elbow issues possibly? It can, yep. Elbow, we see a lot of biceps issues too sure. on, the, on the front side of the shoulder. And then we'll see a little bit of some Terry's minor issues in the back of the shoulder. That's that kind of bottom rotator cuff muscle on the back side of the shoulder that tends to take on a lot of stress when that uh, shoulder blade is not functioning well. Dr. Brandon Seifert's with us, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. We're talking some NFL today. And Carolina Panther quarterback Sam Darnold, that incomplete fracture of the right shoulder blade, our topic. Dr. Brandon, be good. Have a great rest of your week, and thanks for a few minutes today. Thanks, guys. Y'all take care. Good stuff from Dr. Brandon Seifert, Lincoln Orthopedic Center. Marvin Sanders is where I blanked. I wasn't like sure if it was like Sanders or Joseph. No, it was Marvin. Marvin was money in the second day. We'll wind out on Wednesday next. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you. It's one final time at Hail Varsity Radio. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, reminder to get buckled up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by up to 60%. Your best defense in any crash buckling up. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Chris at HailVarsity.com. We got our old buddy Greg from Michigan. Uh, emailing in on the college football playoff. Big name teams being protected in college football playoffs. Political garbage for money. Can't wait to see who Frost picks his OC. Uh, and Kevin, uh, loyal listener, appreciates tuning in, Kevin. Also, Penn State, they beat Auburn, but they're below them in the rankings. You know, that was on the the uh, the trip back from Norman. We're watching the, uh, the, the wideout game at night. Mm. Which was great. So yeah. let's uh, let's the, the, way, the, the college football playoff. It's uh, where the rankings are made up and the wins don't matter. Pretty much. Mm. That's a new T-shirt <laughs> authored to you by one Elijah Herbal. Let's uh, pile on Junior here for a minute. So he's got a slew of nicknames. If he's bartending, it's Jeeves. If it's just me trying to get under his skin, I call him the Monkey, and uh, it's, it's usually Junior. So. We've all been there where we didn't do well on a driver's test, written or physical. Uh, I was an idiot, still am, arguably, when it comes to uh, to passing things. 
like that. And I, I don't think I passed my written when I turned 16. I don't think I had any issue with the the learner's permit. But Junior didn't do the uh, written test real well today. And my wife took him this morning to get his uh, his learner's permit. It didn't go well. And and the monkey tried to feel like, or fake, oh, I've got, I got a stomachache. I can't go to school. You know he's caught <laughs> hell all day. Either that or I hopefully he lied and said, uh... My mom didn't have my birth certificate, so we didn't end up going. Okay, there is a lot of pressure in that written test, though. Whenever I went, they put you in, like this little glass box with one computer. No, in I there. know. And what what they do now is it's the the test is twenty five questions. Sure. And as soon as you get twenty right answers, it they exits stop out. It. No, I, I get it. I had to retake my test for my license a few years ago. So there is so much pressure for me. I got to question twenty five. So I'm sitting there. So and you I, had missed? And I know. I'm like, I have missed You're five. You're a scholar. I'm like, I'm like. He's, Carson's in diff or he's in, in, in like really high level courses. Yeah. How the hell do you two, you didn't take it seriously. You probably didn't study, did I didn't you? study at no. all. No, you're <laughs> going to show once. You're gonna show and go. Yeah, no. And I'm sitting in there and it's I'm like, my palms are sweating. I'm on question 25. <laughs> and I'm like, I know it's like two weeks. Dad, can you come get me? <laughs> if if I don't test. get it, if I don't get this question, I got to wait two weeks. And then I've got to go oh, tell my friends man. why I don't have my learner's permit. So I'm sitting there sweaty palms on question 25 knowing if i get this wrong it's it's done for yeah. it but I, I got it right so well he's uh, 15 today the monkey is gonna get more hell for me at dinner here in about 30 minutes but <laughs> i just want the world to know he did not pass <laughs> it's his driver's test today the written part oh just wait till it's actually you and him and he's behind the wheel oh i we let him i let him drive home from church it's not very far. Okay. That's still illegal. <laughs> <laughs> that's still illegal. May have a Lars Anderson sighting tomorrow. Have a good uh, night. Talk to you Thursday.